We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So today we are diving into part two of what's called Love Actually. And so the first weekend we really talked about, we opened it up and talked to the singles, you know, single by choice or single by the way life brings about. Today we're going to talk to the married folk. We're going to talk to the married folk in this room. Now let me tell you, this is probably going to be a little X-rated. If you thought it was bad last week, I got my wife with me this time. Listen, she is. We were supposed to have a bed on stage, but we're like, no, they ain't ready for that. They ain't ready for that. They're not ready for that. And so check this out. This, we're going to get deep. We're going to get raw. It might offend some of you guys. That's okay. It's all Bible. Listen, I'll, 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 be, I'll apologize for what I say, but I ain't going to apologize for what the word says. So we're going to go there today. We're going to get graphic. We're going to get real. Because here's the deal, guys. We talk about everything else in the word of God in church. We talk about the gospel. We talk about the drama that happened in scripture. We talk about all the good things, the bad things that make you. Let's talk about sex. Let's, sorry, y'all, somebody caught that. Um, but the one thing that we're afraid of and we try to be super, super pious about is sex in church. And people are like, oh, that's the, you know, it's not appropriate. We can't have these conversations in church. You know, it's, it's not appropriate. You're not appropriate. Because you're trying to stifle the word of God. So we're literally going to go there. We believe that sex is a healthy topic. Even if there are students in this room, we do have a few students in this room, a few young adults. Y'all need to hear this too. Y'all need to prepare for some good sex. Some good, some great sex. Not the average mediocre y'all think y'all having right now. Let's talk about it. So we're going to dive in. Uh, let me pray. Actually, I'm going to have my beautiful wife pray, and then we'll jump right in. Thank you, Ben. Go ahead and pray for us. Pray. Lord Jesus, we just honor you because of who you are. We honor you for all that you do for us, but even the things that you don't do, the, the miracles that we see behind the scenes, Lord. So right now, Lord, as we dig into your word, just as we hold the gospel high, just as we hold all the other things in the Bible high, we are going to hold the unity of sex high. Yes, God. If your word said it, it's yes and amen. Amen. And we believe it and it's true. Yes, God. So, Lord Jesus, let us dig into your word, open our hearts and our mind to receive whatever message you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what it's going to look like, we're going to team teach this today. We're going to kind of go back and forth. There's not going to be any formal order. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Pastors Unfiltered, but it's more of a dialogue and a conversation. And we're inviting you in this conversation and we're teaching through this conversation. And so uh, you ready, babe? I'm so ready. Yes, we're ready. So last week, last week, y'all, we talked a lot about sex. Yes, we did. And so this week we're going to talk a lot about sex. And specifically sex in the context of marriage. When we're talking about sex, we're talking about the union between a monogamous relationship between a husband and a wife, a male and a female, that have committed to themselves and committed to God their relationship. So when we're talking about sex in the context of marriage, that's what we're talking about. And so what we've discovered is that not everyone is having sex in marriage. It's true. Not everyone is having sex in marriage. And marriage is a place where sex is supposed to happen. Yeah. It's a healthy boundaries. Marriage is a place where sex is supposed to happen. Period. Period. Right? Done. Done. Marriage is Only special. place. Yeah. And it's divinely ordained and instituted and created by God himself. Yeah. So if God gives you a gift, if God gives you a present, please open it up. Right? I'm getting a little too graphic right now. <laughs> I'm She's like, she just went deep. <laughs> Pun intended. It's a gift from God. 
And it's supposed to be intended in the context of marriage. Absolutely. It's supposed to be a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful thing. Uh, in Genesis 2, 18, this is what the word of God says. This is just how it opens up. So early in the Bible, in the first book of the Bible, it says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Hello, somebody. All the single men. Amen. Right. You're like, please, Lord, I don't want to be alone. Oh. All the married men say, yes, God. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. Since it is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, is this going against what we talked about last week? Remember last week, we talked about the blessing of singleness. We talked about how some individuals are single by choice and some people are single because of life circumstances. And the writer Paul is like, hey, listen, it might be good for you to stay single for a while. It's okay. In fact, being single is great because you you don't have the drama that married people have. You can come home when you want to. You can take a trip when you want to. You can just do whatever. You can cook whatever food you want. You are all good by yourself. And you can be totally and wholly devoted to God without any marital distractions, any parenting distractions. So we're not saying uh, being single is a bad thing. This is not what it's saying. It just says because of how life is, because of how sin screwed it all up, the original design was for man and woman to be together, to never be left without a companion, never be left without anybody who you can do life with. I mean, we talk about that in, in, in discipleship, in Christianity. Christianity was never meant to be lived by out by ourselves. No. I mean, think about God. Think about the triune God. We believe in God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. A triune, co-equal God who is one, but yet different and distinct in three persons. Yeah, yeah. Yet are unitedly tied together for eternity, right? right. So, sin screwed it up. Yeah. Now, perfect order is affected by imperfect affections. So, people get married. And then their eyes start wondering. Yeah. And sometimes in the, the, the realm of marriage, sometimes we hold our spouses as a God. Mm. And because of that, sin uh, distorts the view of what marriage is supposed to be. Yeah. Because of that, we see the effects of divorce. Yeah. And we see the effects of death and pain. Absolutely. So separation was a tool of the enemy. Yeah. Unity was always a true tool of God. God creates unity. The enemy comes and tries to separate. Let's take it all the way back. Let's take it all the way back. So God creates Eve out of Adam. Uh, What's happening is God has created the heavens, the earth. He's created all the animals. He's created everything. And everything is two by two. There's a companion for every animal. There's a companion for even the sun. We got the moon. There's always something that comes alongside. There's day. There's night. There's always two. But then God looks and says, but there's no companion for Adam. There's nobody there to be alongside of him. And then we see in, in Genesis chapter 2. God creates that. God creates Adam, Eve. right? God creates Eve out of Adam. Yeah. And then. And then he says, then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Yeah. She shall be called woman, which is literally, if you look up the term woman, yeah. it means opposite of man. Can y'all just picture it? Adam is laid out because God put him out. So he's laid, knocked out, having some good heavenly sleep. They don't even sleep in heaven, but God put him to sleep. So he's he's resting. God takes Eve, makes her out of his rib, and he wakes up. And the first thing he sees is this naked woman laying next to him. Or this naked being that kind of looks like him, but is different from him, but is sitting opposite from him. And the first thing he says, whoa, man. No. <laughs> but literally he looks and says opposite of man imagine if, if your spouse comes in, in, into the room opposite of man I need to speak with you can we have a conversation that's what's happening right listen when you read the bible you start to parse out some of these texts bible is super interesting and it's funny I bet God is so like funny he like puts these things in scripture like I, these are easter eggs I hope they can find them you know so, because she was taken out of man, he calls her opposite of man, calls her woman. And then he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One, everybody say one. One. 
one flesh. Come on. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Man, this is so, so important. Man and woman were created to be inseparable. Think about how inseparable God created them. He took a rib out of man and he fashioned and instituted woman out of a piece of man so that they could be together. And I got I to gotta say this right here. You, you probably, if you've been around the church world, you've heard it says, God didn't take Eve from the head so that she can lord over her husband. He didn't take her from the foot so that he could trample all over her and treat her the way he wants to and say, I'm the man of the house. He took her out of his side so that they could be equal, but different. Equal with all status, but different in function. Think about the ribs and how it protects the heart. Come on. Right? There's supposed to be an intimate connection between a husband and a wife. They're supposed to protect each other. There's a oneness. And if you really think about it, Nowadays, in society, the most intimate relationship that we can find is parents and their children. Think about it when you go and you deliver your child, woman, and you are holding this baby that literally came out of you. There is no relationship that we see in in life that is so intimate like a parent and their child, the father who took part in creating this, and this child is co-equal between man and woman. They got a little bit of me and got a little bit of you. But yet the scripture tells us something different. It says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. There is supposed to be what? A separation. There's supposed to be a separation. Listen, God says even the relationship of father and mother and child has to come to a point of severing for the sake of one spouse. That's big. And somebody needs to hear that today. No mama's boys out there. Mm -mm. Mama's boy time is over. Sorry, bro. Once you're gone, Darius, you're gone. Angie, sorry, mama. Once he's yoked up, it's a wrap. Also, moms, no longer are you supposed to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to cling to your spouse. I shouldn't have to run to my mom and tell her every intricate detail of our intimacy that is between us. That's yeah. the oneness that God created. And we're so used to seeing that, oh, my mom's my best friend. I tell her everything. And then there, not when you get married. It's not the separation that's supposed to be. There's Listen, this is, this is a red flag for me. You know, I've been pastoring for a little while and have counseled many couples. As soon as I hear my child is my best friend in a marriage or, or my, my, my parent is my best friend with people who are married, I'm easy. Red flag. We need, we need to figure this situation out right now. Because what tends to happen in most relationships is mama's boys, every time he's got beef with his wife, what does he do? Run back and tell mama. And then what does mom do? Start hating on the wife. And now y'all can't have Christmas together. You can't have Thanksgiving together because there's drama in the house because you just told all of your business to your mama. Sowing discord. Sowing discord. So he says you got to hold fast to his wife in verse 24, and they shall become one flesh. So this word one is, is meaning this, together. So one in number, meaning when they become one flesh, they become one unit. And one flesh means when they come together as in having sex. You know, like when one unit goes into another unit and they make one conjoined unit, that's what that is talking about. When they become one flesh is they become united because even in the act of sex, there is a a union that creates. There's a physiological and and chemical bond that takes place. That's why you can't be going around and having sex with everybody. Because what you're doing is you become one flesh with this person and one flesh with that person and one flesh with the other person. Tell them about the woman at the well, baby. (laughs) See, see how I did that? So literally, um, if you read the story in the Bible of the woman at the well and God comes to her, Jesus speaks to her and he's saying, you know, um, the, the man you're with is not even your husband. And he's naming all these five others. Literally, what's taking place is she sleeps with 
one person, and that's considered her husband thing. Mm. And she sleeps with another person, that's considered her husband. Because sex was supposed to be between a husband and a wife, but she's out there having it with other people. So now she has multiple husbands. Yeah. And that is so damaging. Yeah, absolutely. See, this word one not only means one numerically, but it also means once. Once and for all. Wow. Once and for all. Yeah. One and done. That the two shall become one flesh, and it will become once and for all, and also alone. No others. Because sex was, was meant to be with one. Not multiple. Not one after another. Yeah. Not in this monogamous relationship, in that monogamous relationship, in that monogamous relationship. That is the original design. Marriage is supposed to be one and done. And, and check what it says in Hebrews 13, verse 4. It says, give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. And so here goes the question. I know this is the elephant in the room right now. So what do we do about divorce? It is not part of the original design. But But life happens. Sin happens. And we understand that. And so we're not sitting here in judgment. We're just teaching you what the Bible says. And you can easily say, like, well, people got divorced in the Bible. Absolutely, because it was a result of sin. There was never supposed to be a separation. And that's why sex is so important in marriage. It's a reminder and renewal of the covenant. Now, on this topic of divorce, we wanted to dive deep. We actually have a lot of notes. We're going to do a separate teaching about divorce. Can I tell you right now, there is one person called Jesus who makes all things new. It doesn't matter whether you've been married two, three, four times. God can renew your covenant in marriage as if this one individual is that one individual. And he can create one for you. So there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not sitting here trying to tell you you're condemned because you've been divorced. What we're saying, it was not part of the originality of uh, this life that God created, but neither was sin. And guess what we got? Jesus, who came down to redeem everything and die on the cross to renew and make all things new. So, sex in marriage is a reminder and the renewal of the covenant relationship between a man and a woman. I think we're going to dive into that uh, a few minutes later, but, but let, let's jump right here where it says they were both naked and were not ashamed. Yeah. Naked, like literally naked. Physically, but not just physically. They were emotionally naked. Yeah. And you see, they absolutely. had intimacy. They knew each other. Right. And in marriage, we're supposed to be naked. And not ashamed. Physically and emotionally. Yeah. See, but however, sin has marred this beautiful picture of wholeness. Yeah. Adam and Eve sin, and the first thing that they do is they go cover up. Think about that. They were both naked and not ashamed. They could stand physically naked without judgment of one another of how proportioned their bodies are. I get it. They were perfect. Everything was tight and in the right place. Sin had not shown up yet to bring gravity into motion. It it ain't only women. Dudes, we got gravity issues as well too. Sometimes not in the right places. (laughs) <laughs> but the first thing that they do someone's like yes Lord please bring gravity <laughs> stretch it out Jesus in the name of Jesus Adam and Eve Lato, hey listen this is real I'm not, I'm not pulling any punches this is listen, if we cannot talk real about sex in church where are we going to talk about it yeah, yeah. where is the only place that is holy and divinely ordered where God says yes have this conversation be real about it and get to the places where people are really thinking and, and, and having issues and challenges with you know the reason why there's so much dysfunction in marriages because we don't talk about sex in church So if I'm going through something with my spouse, I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want to be judged. 
If I'm looking at my body and feel insignificant or insufficient, I can't talk to anybody about it because I feel like they'll judge me. Listen, uh, church should be the safest place to have any conversation. Let me just give you a quick side note. There's this experience that uh, many of us guys have walked through called the mandate experience. This mandate experience is you get a group of men or a group of women called the fierce love experience that they literally come for life transformation. Mm -hmm. You get into this room from people from all backgrounds, people from the upper echelon of society all the way to individuals who are still trying to make it. But one thing that we realize that everybody's broken, everybody has hangups, and everybody deals with the same crap. Yeah, yeah. And you know one thing that I realized? After spending three days at the mandate experience, Dustin uh, will agree with this, Jose will agree with this, I saw men, even men in our own church, be more vulnerable than they have ever been in a small group, in church, in a counseling session in church. And this is my question. Why does it take an alternate experience for people to get real and get into transformation than in the church of the living God? Why? Because we sit here and we're so pious and we say we can't talk about about that. We can't go there. That's inappropriate. Let me tell you, it's inappropriate because your life is not living holy. And I don't mean H-O-L-Y. Some of y'all, it is H-O-L-Y. But H-W-H-O-L-L-Y in transparent authenticity with the real of who you are. That's why we say at Relevant Church, authenticity is the only requirement. Yeah. And there's no perfect people allowed. Correct, correct. Come on, can we celebrate that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was. I just feel like I just feel like there's a. I really feel like there's a spirit of judgment in this space right now, where people are like, I can't believe we're going there. Well, you know what? We're gonna go there. Yeah. We're gonna go there because I'm tired of doing church as usual. Yeah, yeah. We created church. We, when we planted Relevant Church, we said we wanted to plant a church for people who are tired of church. Yeah. We want a church where people are done being these sanctified, uh, uh, sanitized spiritualists. Yeah, yeah. Amen. But individuals who say, listen, this is real, this is raw. And if I can have this conversation with my girlfriends hanging out on girls trip, I can have this conversation in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to keep going. So Adam and Eve sin. Yes, they do. The first thing they do is they cover up. Because Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed at first. Then they separate. Then they separate. Yeah. Second thing is they separate. They run from God. Yeah. And then they separate from each other when God says, hey, what happened? They're like, <laughs> I mean, I ain't want to say anything, but God, the woman that you made me, you know. Well, God, it was a snake. Yeah, but God, it was a snake. You created it. So it started talking to me. Blame game Listen, first of all, if a snake ever started talking to me, I'm getting out of Dodge. I don't care how holy and sanctified the situation was. God, what is this? Eve, you, Eve is a trip. Anyway. Well, let me tell you, as soon as Adam said Eve, it was her, I'd be like, Adam, you ain't getting You ain't getting none. Imagine the conversation after that. God shows up. It was Eve, God. Eve's looking at him like, oh, really? Wait till the night. <laughs> right? Adam's like, hey, babe, you know, what's up? No. no. Remember, it was me. I started this. But this is what happens when marriages break down. Yeah. We start doing this separation. Mm-hmm. We start doing this blame game between each other. Yeah. We start shaming each other. Correct. And sometimes it's even subtle, you know? We, we say things that are, that, 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 emasculate men or or dehumanize women. And we think that, oh, you know, I'm just being real. No, what you're doing is being rude. And you're allowing the enemy to come in and bring division and separation. And can I tell you, the result is a lack of emotional intimacy that leads to a lack of physical intimacy. And some of you guys are in that space right now. Some of you guys are in a space where you are not being very intimate with each other, emotionally or physically. Yeah. And so that's why in this series, we're talking to a few groups of people. So a reminder of the five groups of people that we're talking about in this series. Go ahead, babe. So the first group is those who don't care to have sex. Y'all crazy. And you mentioned that last week. That's the crazy group, but whatever. We're not going there. It's by choice. It's holy. It's holy. I forgot. It's holy. Amen. 
Those who are not having enough sex, like there's some out here, you guys are just not having enough. Not having enough sex. Not doing it enough. Do not nudge your spouse. Do not nod your head. Do not clear your throat. Just stay still in this moment. Just stay still. Just look forward. Look at us. Look at us. Focus. There's those who want to have sex. Oh, girl, you missed one. I missed one. I missed the best one, too. Those who are having good sex. Hello, somebody. Praise God. Let's celebrate that. Those who want to have sex. Yes. And then the last group is those who need to stop having sex. Yup. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just shaking my head and looking over the crowd. So today in our last few moments together, we're going to talk to those who are not having enough sex. Yeah, because as we said before, we're talking in the context of marriage. And the one question I have for you is the same question that I had for those who don't care to have sex. What is the matter with you? Sex is so good. Yeah, it is. Why aren't you having it? See, it got quiet because people are like, damn, he right. But in reality, I've been trying to tell him. I've been trying to tell her. In reality, there's so many reasons that uh, married couples do not have sex. Right? Yeah, it's real talk. There's trauma. Yeah. There's people in here who are carrying sexual trauma in yeah. their lives. Things that have happened to them when they were children, things that happened to them as young adults, some things that are happened to you guys even in your adult age. Yeah. Trauma is real, and it can really lock you down. It can cause you to get into space where you're like, man, I just don't feel comfortable for this. Yeah, there's also health issues. Yeah. There's people who physically can't have sex. But can I tell you, there are options. There's other ways to enjoy each other. Absolutely. Yeah. You can get creative. <laughs> it's real. I've seen people with no legs and no arms have children. And it can happen. Some of y'all have a sordid past. Yeah. Let's just be real. Some of us in here have got a past where, you know, we've been around the world. Ah, yeah, yeah. I can find yeah, you can't find them because you're looking everywhere else. Yeah. Some of y'all were straight freaks. Let's just be real. Yeah. Been through it all, been done it all, been around the world and a couple of times. And so you're in this situation now where sex has become boring. It's become boring because you've been around so much that you get into this marriage relationship and maybe the person that you're with has not had the same experience that you have and hasn't unlocked some of the things you've unlocked and so sex has become boring to you. And you're in this space where you're like either ashamed of my past, like I can't get too freaky because they're going to wonder what the heck I've done or they're going to wonder if I'm thinking about somebody else. No, I'm thinking about you. I've just done a lot of stuff. Yeah. I've tried a lot of things. Honestly, some of y'all can't stand each other. Let's be real. Can we talk about that? There's marriages where a husband, has, a husband and wife can't stand each other. Y'all just flat out don't like each other. Yeah. I've had conversations where individuals, I remember during this uh, 2020 when everybody started working from home, we had a friend who uh, his parents got a divorce after 30 something years. Do you know why? Because they realized when they had to work from home with each other, they really didn't like each other. It was just flat out, like, I can't stand your face. I don't like the way you breathe. The way you chew annoys the goodness out of me. And then there's also fear. Fear of, I don't want to go there if I hurt. And there's no talking about there's yeah. no communication. So instead of communicating about what your likes and dislikes are, you just hold off and don't do anything at all. Absolutely. Or, this is a big one. Yes, it is. Or you're just not attracted to your spouse. Life has happened. Whether their attitude has changed, whether their body has changed, whether life situation has just taken a place where you don't look at, they're not the same person that you met and things have changed and now you're not attracted to your spouse. But here's another one that's actually, we've realized in counseling marriages, is much more big than not liking or being attracted to your spouse. It's? Being attracted to yourself. You're not attracted to yourself. And you project what your spouse is gonna think about you because when you look in the mirror, you're unsatisfied with you. Yeah. Can, I, can I unlock something for the ladies in here? Men have low standards. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let me yell it out. Come on. Like, 
let me tell you, you can wake up in the morning, bad breath, hair not done, I'm still trying to get it. Listen, you can come in here mad, tired, exhausted, I'm gonna say, roll over, I got you. It, I'll take care of it. What you got on? He's got one mission alone. Get between the legs. Listen, because this is the thing about guys. Guys, guys, it's true. We look at ourselves and we're like, dude, I don't like this man. I've gotten this man. I did. But that's not gonna stop me. Because at the end of the day, like, you can still get it, bro. You can see. All of it. Be in the middle of the act, losing your breath. I can't breathe. I can't breathe, I'm out of shape. It's okay, keep going. If I die, at least I die happy. But honestly, God has given us a gift of sex and marriage to do more than just procreate, guys. So many Christians out there feel that it's only you only have sex to procreate. You only have sex to bring a child into the world. But let me tell you that God has given you a gift for more than just that. Yeah, for sure. Song of Solomon. Hello, it's somebody. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It is a book, a whole book book that God could have put as an extra biblical resource. He could have given it to us by a nice philosopher who wrote something. But this came from the authority and the mind of God to say, hey, I need this young strapping couple that is all steamy and extra sexual. I need them to write a book to let these Christians know that sex is not just to procreate. It's to have fun. I gave it to you as a gift. And so the Song of Solomon is about a married couple enjoying passionate lovemaking. And y'all, it gets steamy. I would challenge you and your spouse to just read Song of Solomon. Read it in the message version. Where it's like where he just articulates everything. And then go in there and look up some of those Greek words because we're about to reveal some things to you that actually mean a lot different than what we read as. And I'm telling you, this is better than any soap opera, any drama. This right here is some steamy X-rated stuff. And it's good. So you you want to start or you want me to start? Shoot, I don't even know. Let me go ahead and start. Go ahead, girl. Let's start it off. Psalms of Solomon, if you look at chapter 7, verse 8, it says, I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Mm. May your breast be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. Wow. He said, let me climb that palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Like, come on, guys. You know women, when we go shopping, we have to hold up our fruits and, you know, feel a little, is it squishy? Is it too firm? This, this Solomon's going in. He said, I know where the fruit is and I'm going to take a hold of it. But check this out. He's like, I'm going to take hold of these grape clusters. I'm going to hold your breast, but your breath is like apples. He is at the breast area, close enough to feel the breath. Like, he is intimate. He's not just over here like this. He is up close and personal. Like, he's like, man, listen, we're going to go there. I want to experience all of you. I want to climb up your tree. Listen, man, if you don't go to your wife today and just be like, girl, can I climb up that tree? And take a hold of them fruitly grape clusters. Listen, listen. Solomon's got game, y'all. I mean, he also has 600 concubines and 300 wives. We're not going to talk about that. That's a whole different sermon. That's a whole different sermon. So check this out. And then, and then, this is his wife speaking, y'all. This is his wife speaking. Awake, north wind. Rise up, south wind. Blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste its finest fruits. He's not, she's not talking about the petunia garden in the backyard. There's a garden 
that she's talking about that she wants him to taste. What is this talking about? Oral sex. Well, we got quiet. That's exactly what it's talking about. And if you think we're crazy, wait till he responds and says, what she tells him or he tells her what she wants in the next one. So he's like, listen, come into my, blow into my garden. You're not just going to be sitting there outside in the middle of the garden. Hey, babe, how do you like these, uh, uh, these roses? He is not talking about that type of blowing. He's like, she's like, take your mouth and put it into places. Yeah. Taste it. And then it's funny because the world takes these words, these, these original yeah. words from God, and that's how we get certain slangs like bush and stuff like that. Yeah. See? But this was originally God's words. These are God's garden God, that he created. Can I tell you, so some of y'all got offended because I said blowjob last, last week. Blow on my garden. You see how the world see how sin takes words. Of remember, God I said, sin? I said, sin has so culture has so appropriated sex yeah. that we now believe that it's something that's taboo or something that should not be talked about. So we can't say blowjob, but the scripture flat out says, "Blow on my garden." So stop being so religious or read your Bible. Anyway, go on. So if we look at verse, uh, so two we, verse three, chapter two verse three. Yes, it says, "Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men." So now she's talking to her man. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. So you already done taste your fruit. It's my turn. You know what I'm saying? She's so like, is, I want to taste the fruit. So this is a give and take. It's a, it's a response. It's an intimacy. You do me, I do you. You understand? I'm serving you, you serve me. I love you, you love me. And that's what this is talking about. They're going back and forth in, in regards to their intimacy right now. Students, I know, you know, young people, I know this is hurting your feelings right now. Like, y'all can't just be talking about sex. Like, listen, I'm sitting next to my mama. I can see. Like, I don't want to know all about this. But honestly, guys, I want y'all, I want you guys to hear this. Because this is biblical. Don't ever let anybody make you feel like sex is something shameful. Sex in the context of marriage is what is holy, what is godly, what God says. Listen, explore. Go down on each other. Taste each other. Go to the extreme. Do whatever you want to do. But do it within the context of marriage so that you can stay away from the fear of getting somebody pregnant, fear of getting an STD, fear of getting these soul ties to a hundred different individuals. And now you're stuck, connected. You're trying to have intimate relationships with your one spouse, but your mind is going over here and going over there. So yes, I want y'all to hear this. This is good. Sex is not a bad thing, Mason. Sex is not a bad thing, Gavin. I know you're sitting next to your mom and I said that it's bad, whatever it is. She can fix that. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a holy thing. D, it's good. It's good. Taste the fruits. When you're married. Yeah. This one is my favorite one. This was my favorite one. Because even historians and biblical scholars has let us know that what we think we're reading ain't what we're reading. Yeah. So check this out. Song of Song, Solomon 7, verse 2 through 3. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet. Hey. Filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like a fawn, twin gazelles. Can I add running through the wind? I'm just saying, I mean, like, he, he does say, like, they're like gazelles jumping in another place. So, what is he saying? It's like, listen, girl, where you are? I'm seeing them things jump. Woo! I just see gazelles. I just see things. But check this out. So your navel is perfectly formed. So immediately you're like, bro, I don't know what type of freaky stuff you in. Like you pour like wine in the middle of her gut and just like suck it out or something. That's just weird. Solomon, he's not talking about the navel. This was actually a euphemism. Because can I tell you, your navel doesn't produce liquid. I went, go, go study it, go read it. He is literally 
talking about that space between your thighs. How do we know? Because he said it in the exact next verse, in the next term. He says, your navel's perfectly formed like a goblet filled with, uh, uh, mixed with wine. What he's saying, he's saying, I'm looking in between your legs, and I see that you're getting hot and steamy, and I see that uh, experiences and, and the, the juice is loose. <laughs> between your thighs lies a mound of wheat with lily borders. Not the rose petal women. Not, not the little. Bzzz. Bzzz. No. We're talking about the real thing that God created. Yeah. Because why? Sex is a vital part of a healthy marriage. Yes. That's why God places this in Scripture. Right in scripture, at the beginning of the Bible, he doesn't wait till the Old Testament, I mean, until the New Testament. He starts right there in the Old Testament. He says, listen, this is foundational. Because check this out. Uh, scripture tells us uh, that, that the New Testament is just a full revelation of what Jesus was coming to teach us. The old, my, my old professor in seminary used to say this. The Old Testament is the Bible concealed, and the New Testament is the Bible revealed. And we find out that marriage is holy and righteous above all. That's what the New Testament tells us. He says, listen, be enjoying the wife of your youth. Like, be married, enjoy it, because this is a testimony of Christ and the intimacy he has with the church. Yeah, yeah. This is a holy union. So, why do we say all that? 1 Corinthians 7.3 The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Pause. I'm kind of mad at the writer. Because how come we supposed to fulfill your sexual needs and you just supposed to fulfill our needs? I'll get you a plate of food. I don't want no food. I got needs. I real needs. Lilies and goblets type needs. But let the church say amen, right? The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. The wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. But Paul gives us a warning in this. I want you guys to see this. I want you guys to see this very clearly. For everybody who is not having enough sex. And listen, I'm so tired of these individuals all over Twitter and saying, don't use the Bible to tell me what I need to do. Blah, 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 blah. Listen. It's scripture. They're trying to teach you how to have a healthy marriage, how to have a flourishing marriage. This is what it says, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. What does it say, babe? It says, do not deprive one another. Hallelujah! Do not deprive one another. Praise God. So many people are doing that, but I'm going to keep going. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. Everybody say limited. Limited time. Devote yourself to prayer. But then come back together again. So why? So that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Do not deprive one another. Stop using sex as a a a way to control your husband or your wife. Yeah. Or as a punishment. Sex is not a, a reward or a punishment tool. Stop doing it. Sex is a unification tool. It keeps you guys on the same page. And we're going to, we got a few more minutes. We got to get through the rest of it. But notice this in this text. It says, by agreement. Correct. Like, if we're not going to have sex, it's got to be a mutual agreement that we're saying for a limited time. We are communicating about it. It's not just like, hmm, I go to sleep and I turn my back to you. And now I'm sitting there thinking like, man, I thought I was going to go home tonight. No, it's an actual conversation that you're having and say, hey, babe, I'm in a time. And what does it say? For a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. It's a limited time. This is not an indefinite thing. And sadly, there's men, I'll say it, there's men and women out there whose husbands and whose wives are holding out for them, maybe because of whipping, maybe because of punishment, or maybe because of some of the things that we said earlier. And what the Bible is saying, watch out. We are human. Don't sit there. And I don't like the statement. I'm going to say it right now. They're like, well, he needs to learn how to be patient. Well, he needs to just pipe down. Here's the deal. We are human. We are susceptible to sin. 
And Satan wants nothing more than to bring division and discord in any healthy marriage or relationship that is united in the bond of God. Satan's goal since the beginning was to ruin godly relationships since day one. He pitted Adam and Eve against God. He pitted Adam against Eve. And now what happens? They have children who are pitted against each other. Sex is not supposed to be something that we just hold out from one another. We're supposed to communicate. It should be under agreement. Why marriage glorifies God and sex in the context of marriage is one of the greatest ways we can worship God and say yes and amen with him. So, in our final moments, I said that like 20 minutes ago. Um, Here's why you need to have sex. We're just going to go through this really fast. Somebody needs to go just go start taking notes right now. Just, just write it down. Y'all need to go have your own regroup at, at home. Babe, can we talk about what the pastor said? I just, I just, you know, I just want to be one with you right now. Sex, point number one. Sex creates unity. Sex creates unity. There is no greater way for a husband and wife to come together and unify. What does it say? The two shall become one flesh. Can I tell you, sex is a collaboration tool to bring us back into sync with one another. Have you ever wondered why they call it makeup sex? Because we're making up. We're coming back together. We're regrouping together. We're getting back. We were once divided. We were once against each other. But we're saying, let's bring this union back together. Let's make it up. Let's remake what was formed together. This is a coming back together. What does it do? It creates immediate connection and intimacy. It does. Listen, have you ever married people, been upset with your spouse? And then y'all have sex, and all of a sudden it's like, what were we mad about again? I, I can't even remember. It, it literally creates immediate connection. It, it's, it's intimacy. Sex creates unity. And the first point of unity is into me, you see. Yeah. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to have a conversation with you. Anyway, we're going too far ahead. Let's, let's go. Point, no, number, point number two. Sex glorifies God. See, God created sex for the flourishing of humanity. By fruitful and be fruitful and multiply, the Bible says it, right? If God is a creator and we are made in his image, that means that we are able to create. Yeah. We are doing what God has, has allowed us to do. That's one of the biggest lies that Satan has ever told uh, Eve back in the, in the, the garden. garden of Adam and Eve. The garden of Eden was that you're not like God. Yeah. But God already told her that you're like me. And because you're like me, you can procreate. You can create stuff. Yeah, we're co-creators along with God. So sex, yes, is a tool to co-create with God. But it's also a way to glorify God and saying, listen, we can come and create new emotional experiences, new emotional attachments with one another. We can support one another. When one is feeling low, I can do something to your body that's going to allow you to now recreate your experience and enjoy what God has created you to be. Whenever we are living in God's purposes, we're giving him glory and honor. Whenever we're living in God's purposes, so what what does scripture say? Hey, uh, don't stop gathering together with the saints as many as uh, started to do. What did it say? When we worship together, we're giving glory together, we're giving glory to God because we're on one accord. When we're loving one another and doing righteous acts of service out in the community, we are glorifying God by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, when we're having sex, we're glorifying God because we're saying, God, thank you for this righteous and holy gift, this marriage gift that you gave us, and we want to worship you through it. We pray when we're having sex. I've been talking to God. Thank you, God. Thank you that we glorify you. Glory. Yes, Lord. Why? Because it's an act of worship. Absolutely. He's actually looking down and happy that the gift that he gave us as humans, that we are celebrating and we are excited about it. If God gave, if, if you give your child a gift and they get excited about it, aren't you happy when they yeah. present? Like, hey, look, they're excited. What do you think God is looking down and saying, I gave this? Them to each other. And the cool thing about it is, have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. 
Just like I was sitting here, man, worship was so good. I'm sitting there jumping, excited. That's what sex is supposed to be. It's supposed to be something fun and exciting. Yeah. We, it's, it's nothing that we're supposed to have shame over. Point number three, sex is for our protection. Yeah, it is. Sex safeguards us from sexual sin. Especially if you're having good sex on the regular. It keeps your mind from wondering. You know, you could be at the job and somebody may start flirting with you and you start thinking like, man, you ain't got nothing on my wife. You ain't got nothing on my husband. Listen, it just, I, just, I just received a text message and I saw what they working with and I'm looking at you like, nah, I'm good. It protects you. Not to say people won't be stupid. Yeah. There's dysfunction in this world. There's brokenness in this world. Let's just be real. Yeah. There, there is uh, uh, sin in this world. And the enemy has come to mar God's created purposes in humanity. Yeah. But in the context of marriage where both are pursuing God, yeah. this is going to be one of the greatest ways to protect you in your relationship. And number four, sex is good for your health. Come on, I'm signing up. I need, to, I need to lose weight. I need to it's do all this. It's scientifically stuff. proven yeah. it's good for your health. It keeps your immune system strong. Yeah. Uh, for women, it improves our bladder control. Mm-hmm. So for those that already had kids and we sneeze and we're like, oh, God, I'm going to do that. It actually helps with that. It lowers your blood pressure. Hello, because I've dealt with hypertension, so I, I get you. it. I got you. Listen, I'm like, babe, my head hurts. My head hurts. Not that one. The one on my head. My head hurts. Give me a release. It, it releases um, pain. It's a pain relief. If you have migraines or headaches, it's said that if you have sex, it helps release pain. It also um, improves your sleep. Yeah. You know, you roll out, you knock out. Man, I'm telling you, I'll be out. And I've battled with insomnia for a long time in my life. But y'all, <laughs> oh, wait. No, be done. And the okay. last anyway. thing, it reduces stress. It reduces stress. It also lowers your risk of heart attacks. Yes, it does. It lowers your risk of heart attacks. And then point number five, sex is fun. Why should you have sex? Because it's fun. Sex brings joy to a marriage. Did you notice that in the whole Song of Solomon, there was no mention of kids? None. There was no mention of work. Oh, baby, I got to go to work. No. There was no mention of bills. There was no mess of anything. It was all about the couple enjoying this relationship. So here's the deal. Get freaky. Explore each Explore other. each other. Please. I mean, listen, sex is not a checklist. Sex is not supposed to be a duty, but an experience. So experience each other. Stretch the limits within the bounds of marriage, just the two of y'all. Do it in different places. Don't always just do it in your room. Pick another place. Listen, like, girl, where are we going today? We're going to be in the basement in that one little corner that's weird. <laughs> Let's go do it there. We're go- oh, we're going we're gonna to be in the car. Let's- listen, you're going to be driving down. We've got a lot of cornfields in the area. Listen, get creative. Me and my wife, we've gotten very creative. And I'm telling you, it keeps it steamy, keeps it hot, it keeps it something that you look forward to. Desire, yeah. that you, you desire your spouse. Yeah, you, you desire each other. Now you're like, you know, you, we're going to get there. So here's the deal. Here, if you forget everything that we said today, if you forget everything else that we said, start having more sex. Married people. Married people. Keep having more sex. In fact, this is what Tim Keller, Tim Keller is a, is a modern-day theologian, pastor at an incredible church in New York City, so a lot of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. He says, sex is a way of saying to one another, I belong completely, exclusively, and permanently to you. Yeah. Come on, man, you can come up now. I belong completely, exclusively, and permanently to you. And that's something you can only say inside marriage. So when you're dating each other, we're going to talk about dating next week. But when you're dating each other, it's like, I'm tired of you today, so go home. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're married, it's like, go home. I am home. (laughs) I'm completely, exclusively, and perfect. That's sexy in itself. Yeah. 
that this one is devoted to me, that I'm devoted to them, that we don't have to worry about adding anyone, anything that is out the ordinary in this space because it is me and you. Yeah, all the way. Why? Because sex is a healthy part of a godly marriage. So I want us to say this together. Start having more sex. Just the married people. Yeah, just the married people. Yeah, yeah, just the married people. Single people, that ain't for you. I'm sorry. It ain't for you right now. On the count of three, come on, let's go back to that slide. Start having more sex. Keep having more sex. And listen, do not nudge your spouse during this time. Do not yell it in their ear. Just, 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 just look at it this way. Hold their hand. Listen, seriously, if you're married, hold your spouse. Hold your spouse. Hold their hand. On the count of three, let's say this together. One, two, three. Start having more sex. Keep having more sex. Start having more sex. Keep having more sex. Explore with each other. Enjoy each other. And as we come to a close, some of us need to begin the conversation with our spouse about why sex isn't happening. We need to get real. They were naked and ashamed. It's time for you to bring intimacy in your relationship that goes beyond just the marriage bed, but into conversation, into being transparent, into being emotionally available for one another. Some of us need to just share, this is why we haven't been having sex. I am ashamed of my body. It hurts. I'm still having disorderly thoughts in my mind about the trauma that happened to me. Be intimate. Intimacy is into me, you see. Allow them to see inside of you. They're not just going to figure it out off the top of their head. In their head, you're just holding out. But when you're open with them and you're sharing with them, you'll know they get to know you. And now they know how to approach you. They know the bounds that are there. And then some of us need to honestly seek professional help. If just opening up to your spouse is, is not doing it, Seek, seek help. There's help out there for trauma and, and for those who've been had some difficult things in their past. You need to release it. Think, what is the thing about the secrets if it's not revealed? What you heal, you can't reveal. I mean, what you can't, what you don't reveal, you can't heal. Right. Or you can't heal what you don't reveal. There it is. Yeah. So reveal those stuff. And if you need professional help, seek it out. If you need counseling, seek it out. L- listen, when we were at the mandate experience. Some guys revealed some things that were so intimate, that was so traumatic, that was so real. I saw grown men cry because of sexual dysfunction. It ain't just y'all women. Guys, we have it too. And we need to talk to somebody. We need to get into relationship, whether it's a professional or whether it's a group of men or a group of women where you're saying, this is why I struggle. Let them walk alongside of you. And honestly, some of us need to repent from depriving our spouse, both men and women. Some of us need to literally walk in godly repentance for creating a space for the devil to bring temptation. When you're holding out, you might drive this individual to end up being on a cell phone huddled in a corner somewhere. You might have somebody seeking attention now, and on their job, they're, they're, they're being flirted with, they're being uh, just connected to in a way that you're not connected with them. Some of us just need to flat out repent. Babe, I'm sorry for holding out. I don't know what this has driven in you. I don't know what this has caused for you, but I'm not even going to ask. Don't tell me. All I want to do is bring back unity and intimacy in our marriage. So there's three way, four ways to increase your sex life. You can write these down as well, too. No, we're way over time, but I feel like this is an important. Has this been, has this been helpful for you guys? Has this been good? The first one is talk more. Just communicate. And I don't, I mean, I'm not talking about flirting. I'm talking about, we're going to talk about flirting in just a second. Just talk more. Text each other. When you're at work, don't get so caught up with work that you forget that there's a person on the other side of this cell phone who's missing me, who's thinking about me. To send a text, hey, I'm thinking about you. How are you doing? 
How was your day? Let's have a conversation. When you get home, don't sit there, guys, and just watch sports or watch the news. That stuff is a turnoff to women sometimes. Unless it's a turnoff for your wife to see a guy sitting on the couch watching news. Then do it. <laughs> but communicate. Number two. Flirt more. Man, listen. Send a freaky text or two. I'm serious. You know, iPhone's got that thing where you can send it and it like hides the text. It makes it fun. Look, everybody will. Yeah, y'all know, because y'all done it too. Y'all done it too. Send a message. Yo, this, this is what I'm going to be wearing tonight. Girl, this is what I got for you. Literally flirt with each other. It's not weird. It's intimacy. Enjoy each other. Serve more. Yeah. Serving each other is how we roll. Come on. In marriage, it's the same thing. Serving each other is how we roll. Serve more together. Serve each other. Yeah, learn each other's love languages. Is it acts of service? Hey, take out the trash for them. Hey, clean the bedroom. Clean the bathroom for them. Is it words words of affirmation? Tell them they look good. On their worst day, encourage a man. You look at man. I love the way you think. It's not only just about the about the way we look. I love the way you think. I love the way you process stuff. Some of us are married to very analytical and and structured and 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 like strategic individuals. Girl, I love your brain. It's sexy. The way you think, the way you articulate these numbers, my God, it gets me hot. Serve each other with the words of affirmation. However, it works for them. Love more. Love more. Love more. Love more. The greatest gift of all, love. Love. It says you can have the tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, it's meaningless. And can I tell you, this is where we see the gospel in the context of marriage. There's no greater love than this, than one who would lay down his life for his partner. Some of y'all need to lay down. Literally. (laughs) But some of us need to lay down our time stamps, our rigid schedules, our exhaustion. I'm just so tired. We need to be willing to lay down for our lover and say, what can I do? How can I serve you? I'm willing to give myself over to you. The gospel says, not my needs, but yours be done. Jesus is in the Garden of Eden and he's saying, God... I don't want to go through this. I don't want to die on the cross, but not my will, yours be done. And sometimes we need to come to each other and say, listen, I'm tired. The kids have run my life ragged all day. I've been working all day, but you know what? Not my will. What's your will tonight? What do you want to do? What do you, how intimate do you want to get? Yeah, yeah. Not my preference, but what's best for the whole. Unity is the whole. Yeah. Oneness is the whole. I don't wait for you to come to me. I come to you. Stop waiting to be chased. Become the chaser. Run after your spouse. Let your spouse know that they're wanted. Don't wait for them to just come and always do all the right things. You didn't touch me the right way. And you didn't do this for me. And you didn't do this. What have you done for me lately? That's what it is. Who is that? Jenny Jackson? Paula Stop waiting for them to come to you and start coming to them. What would it look like to outdo one another in honor? Oh man, I'm here to serve you. I'm serving you. When you're you're in those intimate sheets, it's not about what I get out of it, man. I'm trying to work hard to get what you get out of it. I want you to experience the gospel in your marriage will increase your sex life. Mm -hmm. It'll turn things spicy. Why? Because it says, I'm not here for myself, but I'm here for you. Has this been helpful, y'all? Has this been good to you? Everybody who's not clapping, my bad. Sorry, not sorry. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for giving us the gift of marriage. Thank you for giving us the gift of sex. Thank you, God, that we can be joined and become one. Where unity is so strong that 
emotionally, spiritually, physically, we become one unit, giving glory and honor to you. Lord, I want to lift up the marriages in here that are broken. The marriages where sex isn't happening, the marriages where intimacy is not happening, the marriages that are sexually frustrated, that are intimately frustrated, that are emotionally frustrated. God, I pray and I rebuke the enemy in this moment right now. Satan, back down in the name of Jesus. You are tied up. You are bound. You are no longer going to take reign in these relationships. Holy Father, Holy Spirit, move like a mighty rushing wind. Touch every limb. Touch every nook and cranny. Touch every mind. Touch every emotion. Bring restoration. Bring intimacy. Bring the gospel into their marriages. May they look on one another with love, with passion, just like it says about Jesus. Jesus who didn't count the form of godliness a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. May we become a servant to one another, a servant to one another's needs. It's like it says in Ephesians 5, allow us to submit one and to another as to the Lord. God, we pray healing. We pray connection. And Lord, we pray repentance for anyone who has allowed something into their marriage that should not be. Whether it's an extramarital affair, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's just anger and and frustration now. They've risen in anger towards their spouse and they've created this offense. Lord, we repent today, Lord. Anyone in this room, if you are carrying any of these things, will you just begin to repent and say, God, forgive me. Because I have brought mess into my marriage. But we know, God, that you are the restorer. You are the healer. It says, with you, all things pass away and the new has come. And God, may we thank you. May we thank you for the gift of marriage. May we thank you for the gift of sex. God, may there be so many holy marriages in relevant church. That those who are single and designed to be married can literally have a plethora of couples that they can go to get counsel from. There's a plethora of couples that they can go and model their lives after, their relationships after. Lord, I pray that there will never be a lack of holy, sanctified, amazing, sex-filled marriages in relevant church. God, because we know that when two are joined together, they are stronger. And we still don't forget our singles, Lord. May their union be with you. May you strengthen that union. May they just be in love with you. And for those who are dating, Lord, I pray that you may bring purity to their relationships. Allow them to sit there and say, you know what? Let's try this out. Let's try to abstain from sex. Let's try to hold out until we're married. God, give them power. The same power that wrote Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that lives with them. That can overcome any temptation. It can overcome any sexual frustration. And they can be remain pure so that on that day when they are married and they give themselves to that one, it's going to be as if they've never had an experience before. It is going to be fresh. It is going to be anointed. And sparks are going to fly. And they're going to remember this day. This is the day that I covenanted with the Lord, that I will not look on a young man or a young woman with lust. God, we declare that this is yes and amen. And Lord, as we close out this service, may we close out with a passion and a joy that worships you in spirit and in truth. I thank you for my wife who taught alongside of me. Bless our marriage. Touch our parenting. Unite us daily as one in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The church name. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, Join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.